0: will be carried to Assyria as tribute for the great king. Ephraim will be disgraced. Israel will be ashamed of its wooden idols. Samaria and its king will float away like a twig on the surface of the waters. The high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is the sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us and to the hills fall on us. Since the days of Gibeah you have sinned, O Israel, and there you have remained. Did not war overtake the evildoers of Gibeah? When I please, I will punish them. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh, so I will put a yoke on her fair neck. I will drive Ephraim judah must plow and jacob must break up the grounds sow for yourselves righteousness reap the fruit of unfailing love break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you but you have planted wickedness you have reaped evil you have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors, the roar of battle will rise against your people so that all your fortresses will be devastated. A Shalman devastated Beth Abel on the day of battle when mothers were dashed to the ground with their children. Thus it will happen to you, O Bethel, because your wickedness is great. When that day dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed so reads the word of god amen, amen. so uh, father please give us um, ears to hear hearts to understand what seems remote to us may it speak to us to our situation um, to our hearts to our country to our lives we pray in jesus name amen Let me try and make this easy for you. You know the the proverb, what you sow, you shall reap. You reap what you sow. We see it in our parenting, whether we sow into their young hearts love and encouragement or anger and belittlement. We see it with our bodies to a great extent what we put into them, what sort of food, whether we exercise or not. We see it with our minds. What our minds are preoccupied with is the fruit of what they have been looking at, what they have been listening to, what they have been reading. What you reap, you sow. What goes around, comes around. Everything has repercussions. Or as one of our um, British novelists put it, Sooner or later, we are all going to sit down to a banquet of consequences. I wonder what will be served at your banquet. <laughs> well, that's Hosea 10 in a nutshell. And the key verses for us are verse, is verse 12 and 13. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception. So that's Hosea 10. We're going to look at it under those three headings. We're going to look at the fruit of deception that they've eaten, the seed of wickedness that they've sown, and the evil that they are about to reap. Um, in particular, just to give this, put it in its context, Hosea is focusing on the beginning of their history as an independent nation when they broke away from Judah in the south. I don't know if you've, you've probably gone through this before, haven't you? You've got um, the, the nation of Israel split into two when the king of Jerusalem behaved like a tyrant and made everybody feel like they were his slaves. So, understandably, the northern kingdom broke away, called themselves Israel, um, rejected the covenant God had made with the house of David and appointed their own kings, rejected the temple at Jerusalem where God said he would... Have it cause his name to dwell, and set up two national shrines, one in the north and one in the south, at which they placed a golden calf. If they'd read their scriptures, they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it was what the nations did in those days. A golden calf, probably meant to represent God's power and potency but in defiance of his command not to make a graven image. Um, and that was, says Hosea, verse 8, the sin of Israel. It is the sin of Israel. And verse 10, he says, I will put them in bonds for their double sin, presumably because there were two of these golden calves. So he, he really focuses on the one um, in, in Bethel. So that's the background. And if that seems, you know, remote to you, um, we don't make images of God and put them on pedestals and bow down and worship them. We do imagine God. We do think this is, you know, I imagine God to be like this. And usually it's the way we want him to be. And it's very much shaped by our surrounding culture, what sort of God they might tolerate, if one at all. And that's exactly what happened. What, what the Israelites were doing at this place. And with the way we think of God, the way we imagine God, shapes the way we worship and it shapes the way we treat one another. It affects everything every part of our lives so um, let's start with the fruit of deception and the focus first two verses is on on their worship of the lord israel was a spreading vine he brought forth fruit for himself israel as a vine is a very common image um, in the bible planted by the lord in the land in order to bear fruit for god so that the nations might see how good it was to have God as your God and how good it was to follow his ways. But Israel was a fruitful vine, a spreading vine that brought forth fruit for himself. Having sown the seeds of innovative worship, the way we want to worship, they reaped more of the same and it was all shaped by the culture of their day. So the more they invested in worship, the more idolatrous it became. And um, the more they invested in the prosperity culture of the nations around them, you know, the more you worship, the more altars you have, the greater your harvests. Um, So Um, hosea says uh, if i can quote the king james version their heart was divided they thought they could have two masters but jesus says you cannot have two masters you will love the one or hate the other but they worshiped the lord but they wanted to hedge their bets and so worshiped other gods as well you know Um, diversify your portfolio maybe maybe one of them will prove fruitful and the divided heart is is a is a constant danger for us the gospel tells us jesus is all we need and everything we lack is found in him but the world plays on our disordered Desires and tells us lies about what would make us happy, so our hearts are divided. Um, we be, we want to be lovers of God, but we also want to be lovers of pleasure. Um, but we cannot serve two masters, and before we know it, we are lovers of pleasure and not lovers of God. Their heart was divided. The alternative translation for this is, which is what I've got in the New International Version, is their heart is deceitful. So the Hebrew word can mean divided, but it can also mean treacherous, slippery, not to be trusted. Divided hearts are deceitful hearts, as when a man tries to have two lovers everything he does becomes deceitful. Deceitful hearts is a very very pertinent diagnosis for us because the mantra of our day is follow your heart. Don't listen to anybody else. You can't trust anybody else. Follow your heart. That's the true way to freedom and happiness. Really? The Bible says the heart is deceitful beyond cure the idea that to follow your heart was a way of wisdom as far as I'm aware was first made popular by the Hollywood director Woody Allen Um, we have a different perception on Hollywood directors now than we did then Um, but he used it to justify his incestuous affair with his adopted daughter He, when questioned about it, he just shrugged and said, the heart wants what it wants. Following our heart today is wreaking havoc in our society, undermining the fundamental unit of society, the family. And children and young people are the prime victims of that. that. Following your heart is what Paul describes as sowing to the flesh. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Hosea's people... Having followed their heart, we're about to reap destruction. Verse 2, their heart is deceitful. Now, they must bear their guilt. The Lord will demolish their altars and destroy their sacred stones. And destruction is what awaits us as a nation, as a church, as individuals, if we follow our hearts rather than the word from outside, the word of the Lord who made us. So that's, they're eaten the fruit of deception. Now he's going to go on to uh, the seeds of wickedness that they have sown. Uh, They sowed the seed of rebellion right at the beginning, beginning of their history, distancing themselves from the king God had appointed, appointed their own king, And that's what they were reaping. So the history of Israel was coup after coup after coup. And in Hosea's day, it was coup mania. They had six kings in half a lifetime or less um, before the king of Assyria just totally demolished the nation and carried them off. Um, That's where they were. So Hosea says, then they will say, we have no king. But, because we did not revere the Lord, but even if we had a king, what could he do for us? So, you know, they sowed the seeds of rebellion and what it produces is the weeds of cynicism and mistrust. And with that, social and political instability. And I think we're all very familiar with that cynicism today. So note, note the root of this instability. Because we did not revere, because we did not fear the Lord. Um, that's a, you know, To fear the Lord is a very healthy thing to do. If we do not fear the Lord, then we imagine there's no accountability. What I sow, I will not reap. I can get away with it. Um, do you know um, John Lennon's song "Imagine"? There's no heaven. Okay, I can remember when it first came out, and soon everybody was singing it. If you if you look at the words, you see they are complete nonsense (laughs) absolutely really are but it captured it captured the spirit of the age Uh, but look what it's brought us when people imagine there is no heaven when there is no fear of the lord when people think they can get away with it then lies propaganda fake news deceptive promises become the order of the day there's been um, a number of studies on uh, on people's behavior research on this and they've keep discovering that uh, the more people believe in the judgment of God the more they fear God the less likely they are to lie and cheat and steal the less people believe in the judgment of God the more likely they are to do that intriguingly all this research as far as I'm aware has been made by people with no religious affiliation at all and it shows people do not trust atheists if there is no accountability before God people will try to get away with murder Um, So, what does that lead to? Social instability. Verse 4, they make many promises, take false oaths, and make agreements. Therefore, lawsuits spring up like poisonous weeds in a ploughed field. And it's not just the celebrity cases that hit the news. You know, Amber um, versus Depp, wasn't it? And Rooney versus Vardy. Um, most of us are familiar with the social cost um, of couples, and I know this can be very difficult at times, but we're, we're aware the social cost of couples disregarding the promises and commitments they made to each other, and we're aware of the effects on our children and the poisonous weeds are growing up in our estates. But now we see... Number 10, disregarding the COVID laws they made for us, but not for them. We see the UK government threatening to disregard agreements they made with the EU over Northern Ireland and breaking international law, sending people to Rwanda. When people imagine there is no heaven, when people no longer fear the Lord, weeds will fill the land and social relations will be poisoned. And that's just as true, if not more so in the church. So we've had a whole spate of high-profile, prestigious church leaders exposed because they stopped working out their salvation with fear and trembling because they thought they were unaccountable so that's when we lose the fear of the lord we are in big trouble then there is the evil they will reap so verse 5 the people who live in samaria fear for the calf idol of beth avon Um, the calf idol was at bethel bethel means house of god but hosea renames it house of wickedness beth avon the people fear for it the people mourn over it so will its idolatrous priests and those who rejoiced over its splendor because it's taken from them into exile. The calf idol was a work of art, gleaming gold, Israel's national pride, but it was fake splendor. It could not save them, they could not save it. It was destined to become loot for the king of Assyria. And as for the calf, so for their king. Samaria, verse 7, and its king will float away like a twig on the surface of the waters. Kings in those days used to liken themselves to trees, mighty cedars that reached up to heaven, great oak trees at which the birds of the air would nest and the beasts of the field find shelter underneath. But this king is a little twig floating away on the stream of history. Verse 8, the high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is a sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Which is what Jesus warned the people of his own generation. If we insist on following our own hearts, if we insist on being a law unto ourselves, if we keep chasing fake glory, then when the the Lord comes in judgment, he won't just sweep away our illusions and show them to be groundless. He will confront us with himself. The true glory. And the result of that will be people who made fake glory with their own hands to worship will be calling on the mountains to fall on them and cover them and hide them from the face of the one they have offended. His glory is so, so real, it will just blow everything else away So Hosea says, in effect, I think verse nine, "If only if only you'd learn the lesson of history." And this I don't know if you were here last week, but this takes us back to last week's passage with, um, with Richard, and um, where he mentioned Gibeah. Um, Gibeah appears in Judges 19. One of the great horror stories of the Bible. A Benjamite town behaving like Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, A man comes to it um, with his concubine. Stays in the house of a foreigner in that um, town. And they come clamoring, intent on gang rape. The man callously throws out his concubine and she's raped to death on the doorstep. It's one of the horror stories of the Old Testament. And when the Benjamites refused to hand over the perpetrators for justice, the rest of Israel um, declared war against them. And the result was Benjamin was almost wiped out. And the Lord says, if only you'd learned the lesson of the past, because the same is going to happen to you. Then Israel purged the evil from among them. But now Israel is incapable of purging the evil from among them. So the purge will come from outside. If only... They'd learned the lesson of history. And yet, history teaches us that history teaches us nothing. The past teaches us that the past teaches us nothing. When we follow the inclinations of our hearts, we keep making the same foolish decisions again and again. We keep entering into the same misguided relationships again and again. And again, you see it in addicts going to rehab, coming out again, becoming addicted again, going back into rehab, back into rehab. It just keeps going until they hit absolute rock bottom or are converted. And sometimes, when they hit rock bottom, it's too late. You see it with. Um, With people who go from one abusive relationship to another until they hit rock-bottom begin to say I've got to take responsibility for myself the past teaches us we don't learn from the past until we hit rock-bottom until we are converted so God in his mercy is about to bring Israel to rock bottom so the judgment of god was to sweep away their illusions it was to confront them with the true glory of god and it was to bring them to repentance so he says verse 10 when i please i will punish them nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin but look what those bonds are ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh so i'll put a yoke on her fair neck i will drive ephraim judah must plow and jacob must break up the ground what's what's he saying now ephraim the dominant tribe in the north judah the dominant tribe in the south will be yoked together reunited one people under the lord's yoke bondage people might think but remember jesus says um, come to me all you who are weary and laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's going to yoke them together so that they may plow up the land and the Lord might farm the land again so that they may bring forth fruit for his glory and the nations taste and see how good God is. He's going to bring them back to their mission Um, even now even now he's pleading with them um, to repent, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord and yet by this time Hosea knows it's too late for Israel The the stubbornness of their heart is so great. They are beyond repentance at this stage. The Lord himself must bring them down to rock bottom because you've planted wickedness, you've reaped evil, you've eaten the fruit of deception. And then he goes on. Because you trusted in your own strength, because you thought, I've not reached rock bottom yet, I can get out of this. Look at my military forces. We will protect our nation. And so that's what they did. But then he, 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 he talks about another horror story from their past. It's one we don't know of. Um, we have no idea about this, no record of it. But um, the roar of battle will rise against your people so that all your fortresses will be destroyed as Shalman devastated Beth Abel on the day of battle when mothers were dashed to the ground with their children. Thus it will happen to you, O Bethel, because your wickedness is great. When the day dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. But not Israel as a people. The nation would be destroyed, the king would be destroyed, but not Israel as a people out of god's judgment would come new life out of god's judgment would come a restored people hosea's message remember is all about the relentless love of god and that means that the hard soil of their unplowed hearts will be broken up If not by the plowshare of God's word, that sharp-cutting sword of God's word, then by God's devastating judgment. But he will bring them to the point of repentance. Repentance is their only hope. And repentance is our only hope, which simply means Jesus is our only hope for only his spirit can give us the heart of repentance break up our hard hearts where they are insensitive to his word where we're living for ourselves and not for him Um, so Hosea exhorts us break up your unplowed ground and for that we need to seek the Lord the heart is deceitful and beyond cure, but the Lord himself can heal it. So we are to seek the Lord, verse 12, until he comes and showers his righteousness upon us. We are to sow seeds of righteousness, verse 12. That is practicing covenant faithfulness. Um, Being true to God, worshipping Him as He deserves, being true to each other, serving one another in love, sowing seeds of mercy, justice, humility, truth that will enable society to flourish. Keeping our promises even when it hurts us to do so. Disadvantaging ourselves for the sake of others. That's what righteousness means in the Old Testament. It's, It's the way of Jesus. Israel was a spreading vine that brought forth fruit for itself. Jesus, remember the true vine, who laid down his life For us, who said, "Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it produces many seeds." That's that's the life he's calling us to. That's what he's asking when he says, "Sow righteousness." And the best place to do that is in his church, where his word exposes. The illusions of our hearts and cuts us, but also heals us and encourages us. And where we learn to relate to each other as brothers and sisters, speaking the truth to each other in love, encouraging, rebuking, correcting, forgiving. So that those outside the church and in our communities of work and places of work, may taste and see that the Lord is good. So let me leave you simply with, with Paul's words. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to the household of faith may god bless his word to you Amen.